0: Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummels Wharf.
1: Well, it's great to be here as always. I, uh, I, I love spending a draft Tuesday with you. I think that's the – or a draft. <laughs> uh, uh, trade deadline Tuesday yes. with you. I think that's the best part of uh, pretty much everything on the league schedule. The deadline is 4 p.m. on Tuesday. I, I really enjoy being able to talk about it 90 minutes before whatever it is ends. And the trade deadline is one of the best of all, for sure. So it's great to be here.
0: It's interesting because I was talking, telling a story yesterday about when uh, Eric Dickerson was dealt from the Rams to the Colts. And it was shockwaves because the NFL never made it. And nobody in the NFL ever made in-season trades. Now... It feels like the baseball and NBA deadlines.
1: Yeah, it really has become more and more of an event. And I think a, a good part of that is because, uh, in part, a couple of years ago, you might recall, they opened up uh, the trade of compensatory picks. Yes. And what that means is essentially because you don't, you know, they don't know the compensatory picks are there until um, uh, April or whenever it is that they announce that they're trading speculative picks. Um, you don't know exactly what they're going to get, but you kind of know exactly what they're going to get. And they're free to trade uh, those those future commodities for uh, current assets, and that that opens up the market a bit. Um, certainly makes it more uh, interesting. There are more moves that can be made, and there are situations in which you can kind of look back and see – the team might have set up that kind of a situation by signing this player, which you know took them out of the running for this pick, but they'll know that they'll get this one back, which is what I think perhaps the Steelers did uh, with with their decision with Melvin Ingram, at least to some degree there's some insurance there um, of, you know backed up with draft capital that if it doesn't work out uh, with Ingram, um, they have the ability to you know trade a, a decent asset that really Ingram signed a one-year contract to show people he was healthy. And on top of that, I'd imagine his market is going to be worth, I don't think it's unreasonable to say twice as much as the Steelers are paying him, if he's healthy and they're in a normal cap year, which they will be. So if if anything, I think it was a business decision um, on Ingram's part to say, you guys aren't going to sign me long-term. You got the, the $4 million valuation out of me through six games. The trade deadline is now. Sorry, this doesn't look very good, but trade me somewhere that I, I can, you know, get some more film here, try to maximize my value. If this is the direction you're going to go, Alex Ismith, in my opinion anyway, has played very well mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of weeks. He's a, he's going to take the yeoman's share of the snaps from, from here on out. And I think the Steelers know that, which is why they, they, uh, kind of did Ingram a solid and, and dealt him for something. It doesn't seem like it's much, but you're not going to see um, a whole lot of players. Uh, it, they, they have to be Von Miller to, to acquire more mm-hmm. than like maybe a fifth or a sixth and six is probably uh, uh, the, the typical um, compensation for a trade for a player at the deadline. You, you don't see big deals at the deadline like that. It's just not the way the NFL works. But overall, I, I think um both, I, I think Ingram is definitely more motivated to to want to make a deal as opposed to the Steelers. Right. But Ingram, looking out for his future, looking long term, he wants to be in a position to get more film to drive up his value. And this is the part where I, I think is really interesting with all of it. Uh, what Mike Tomlin said at his press conference today, essentially, that it, it's you know it, the 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 cloud over what are you saying is one year deals in the NFL are really hard because. In, in Tomlin's situation, uh, he, he wants volunteers, not hostages. If yeah. Melvin Ingram doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want Melvin Ingram there. That, right. That's really just the bottom line. And because the trade deadline comes at or around the middle of the season, that's the only time players have to, to try to make some type of in-season move for themselves, to set himself up for, for you know later negotiations. And I think that's really what it was about with Melvin Ingram. I think his situation was very similar to Deshaun Jackson. Uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, All of these things kind of lead me to believe that fewer and fewer general managers are going to want to give out one-year contracts, because really, this is going to continue to happen. On the player that you would want, the player that has value, they're going to try to set themselves up. And as we've seen, it's getting easier and easier for a player to kind of negotiate his way out of town. And it really kind of the point where a one-year contract means nothing. I mean, it, it used to be that Coaches were in lame duck status if they had one year left in their contract. Now it's quarterbacks and coaches. It might just be everybody now.
0: Yeah. All right, so Boswell. That was a great play. Boswell uh, with the concussion. um, So they did sign another kicker today in the practice squad, right?
1: Yes. uh, Josh Lambeau, the the former uh, Chargers and Jaguars kicker. Um, yeah. interesting the Steelers would want another Jaguars cast off kicker that didn't work out so well the last time yeah. uh, unless, you, unless you want to concede that doing that and then having to release him because he just flat out couldn't kick anymore for some reason uh, is what brought on Chris Boswell to begin with now their motivation behind uh, putting Boswell out on the edge and asking him to make an athletic move Um, in in order to score points in the NFL, that's a different story. For for the most part, um, it's precautionary right now. Uh, Mike mentioned that as well. He's he's on their practice squad, which is kind of the typical thing to do nowadays, make sure that they can clear uh, COVID protocols and uh, get on with practice to see uh, what they'll need to do that week. But if Boswell, who is in concussion protocol right now, uh if he is not able to go and then it, it seems Josh Lambeau the the talented veteran. Um he's been around for a little while. He's he's a, a solid kicker. Um I'm not exactly sure why he got released. Um you never quite know with kickers unless it's you know Josh Scobie. But <laughs> by and large, um kickers have a reason um for for not having a contract, but there are a, a good amount of kickers and there are only thirty two jobs. So it, it many times you can get a quality kicker Um, who who adjusts well to what you guys do in terms of your special teams and can kick in the stadium in which you're playing most of the time. You you put that together like they did with Boswell, uh, you you got yourself a nice investment. Uh, A guy like Lambeau, maybe that just didn't work out for him, but um, clearly they were right on that move. They made it uh, about the time you think that they would, and while it doesn't rule Boswell out exactly, um, it's good to know that they are uh, going to be prepared this week with a backup kicker, at least, which is something I think um, they might want to think about uh, perhaps the, the previous week a little bit more.
0: Right, okay. Uh, why have some some things fallen into place? Is it something strategic, or is it a schedule? How, why is it fallen into place?
1: Um, I, I think that's an excellent question. And to be honest with you, what I see is a, a team that, has generally checked the boxes that I thought that it would at this point. They're just maybe doing it a little bit ahead of schedule compared to what I thought. You've heard me say this a thousand times. I, I expected them to be about seven and ten this year. Right. They're a couple weeks ahead of the pace that that would put them on. Now I'm not giving them, you know, a playoff spot, nine and eight record, ten and seven record. I'm not, I'm not there yet. But the offensive line has gotten progressively better the last four weeks. There are still some problems there. Um, poor Dan Moore, which is what I'm calling him now. I mean, he, he got, uh, if, if he wasn't baptized by fire before, he certainly was on Sunday. And, uh, I, you know, really, I, I think he's doing a great job for the situation that they're putting him in. He's not supposed to be in that situation, though. Um, I think Tom would address this to, to some degree as well. I like how he's responding to that and I really like what they're doing in the run game. We're starting to see them really get after uh, their, their opponent. They're playing with a level of confidence that we did not see from them early on in the season. Uh, they're getting better, and it, it's been really fun to watch. We saw they were mangling Cleveland up front on a couple of those drives. Yeah. They did a great job. Um, they outrushed the Browns. If you would have asked me last week who was going to have more rushing yards, I would have laughed. There's absolutely no way the Steelers are going to outrush the Browns. And they beat them pretty handily in that regard. Neither team had huge success on the ground, but Cleveland was way below average, and Pittsburgh was above their average. Um, it, it's it's coming together. I think we're seeing better things from them overall. Um, that, was a, that was just a crazy game. I mean, I don't know how many times you, you put those – situations together i don't know how many times uh that the the Steelers, with what they had pull out a win but uh, it it was great to see the heart that they played with you know they didn't give up they had every reason to give up they they didn't have a field goal kicker in in the second half they didn't have a a kickoff guy uh everything bent cleveland's way and they they should have been able to make that work but they get a timely forced fumble um they make plays on you know critical downs. They they shut them down pretty good on third downs. I uh, wouldn't have expected that out of the Cleveland team. They gained Cleveland gained like 110 yards in their first two drives. You thought they were just kind of cruising along. They were going to do pretty well. Um, Pittsburgh's defense really stepped up. and Did a great job. The offense uh, made the plays they needed to make. Um, Pat Fryermuth, another player that I was critical of uh, in the off season, he's he's playing above and uh, above board more consistently now. Uh, You can expect more from him in in all phases of the game. I got a great effort from from Zach Gentry. I would have guaranteed you that that guy wasn't going to do squat this year. I didn't even think he should have been on the roster. I didn't even think he'd make the team. Um, They've done an excellent job. I I would point to coaching. Uh, He's kept the team believing in themselves, and he's built up their confidence to the point we're seeing much better play out of them, I think, than than what's reasonable. They're not as good in, in many cases as what they're playing, but they're starting to put stretches of that together, and that that's going to make them better uh, the, the more they get into it. We're still going to see ups and downs. You know, it's still a very young team. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a critical stretch. You know, the Bears are not particularly good, the Lions are really not good. Uh, they, they, they need to go 2 0. This is, I think, the first time this season you could honestly say they better win both of these games. They will be pretty sizable favorites in both of these games. And they're going to need to finish, uh, you know, really what they've started right now. And if they do that, though, they've got a pretty good shot at things. You have to like where they're going to be.
0: And your thoughts on the rhythm that we're seeing now uh, from Matt Canada as a play caller?
1: Yeah, I think you know overall what we're seeing is uh, more of that that variation um, than just his script. You know, beyond the, the first fifteen plays of the game. They're able to do more, deeper into drives. Uh, they ran, uh, you know, the the jet action, the jet sweep motion that they'll run. They ran that in the fourth quarter. I don't think they've really done that to a point this year. It kind of seems like they sort of throw that out and do uh, the things that they typically do that they know the best. Their their playbook has expanded. Um, it's been an offense that they've wanted to get more guys involved. Uh, there was a point, I, I think. It was funny to me because usually when you scroll through the stats during a game, uh, you see a, a pretty long list of the Steelers' targeted receivers. Ben likes to spread it around. He tries to get everybody some looks early on in the game. This time there were like seven guys that had carries in, in the first half of the game. They're doing a lot of different things that are not necessarily um, – foreign to them as a team anymore but the defense hasn't quite seen a variation of it the way that they did it that's what experience gives you and that's what in in my opinion the real talent of a play caller is one who's able to stack uh different permutations of everything later on you have to be conscious of what you've called you have to be conscious of what another team has seen and put in different wrinkles of it not just during the game but before it you have to know that they've seen this look before, so we're gonna do this this time and then come back to this later on, but do this this time. I, I think Canada's done a great job of that up to this point, and really it's not something we've seen a whole lot of uh, from the Steelers' offense the last couple seasons, probably. So it, it's been fun. He, he's keeping it, um, he keeps it just with enough variety that you're not sure what to expect. And that half second hesitation that you can cause a defense to, to, uh, to have to take. Is the difference in a lot of cases, especially with, you know, when you've got, I mean, he was called back on a hold, but when you've got Ray Ray McLeod who goes around, you know, the, the far end, outflanks the defense and picks up 20 yards. If the, the pursuing linebackers are not frozen for a second on that exchange, there's no way he's getting around that corner. All right. That's the key thing with, with play calling and design that you need to do. If you can get that extra delay on the part of a defense, you're going to be able to to exploit the situation. I think Canada's done a great job setting them up to do that now, and uh, probably more than anything, he's gotten uh, you know a, a sense of buy-in from everybody in a variety of different packages. They're not making mistakes the way that they were. They're still probably penalized more than you'd like to see. Um, not that the, the officiating was you know <laughs> optimal Sunday, but mm-hmm. you, you didn't get a whole lot of those you know silly uh, preparation types of mistakes. That we saw uh, in 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 you know mass quantity early on this season.
0: I'd ask you about the Bears, but what can you say?
1: <laughs> I mean, this. Here's the thing with the Bears, and we've talked about this with the Bears. The um, Steelers don't beat the Bears. <laughs> you know, this is no joke. The last time the Steelers yeah. beat the Bears was when Jerome Bettis trucked Brian Urlacher at the goal line. Yeah. That's how long ago it was. They, they're zero three against the Bears since then, and they were favored in all three of those games. Um, the last, yeah, you know, they, they played them a Monday night back in 2013. And they got the, the doors blown off. I mean, the Bears killed them. Jay Cutler went crazy that night for for some reason or another. Um, a really bad team in 2013, certainly starting off um, one of the many big losses that they had early on in that season. 2017, the last time they played, it was uh, I don't know what that was. That was just a, that was a dumb game. <laughs> um, two holding penalties in overtime yeah. uh Jordan Howard scores a touchdown to win it for for Chicago late It Steelers were I think like nine point favorites in that game right. um and back in what like, two thousand and nine was an upset as well it just i i if i recall and and maybe there's somebody out there listening that would know but i if I recall I think San Antonio Holmes dropped like five passes in that game. I seem to remember that this is you know way back in the day um it, it was it, they. They don't play their best against the Chicago Bears. It's that simple. It shouldn't be the case every time, but you know, it continues to happen over and over again. This is one of the few teams. I, I, I meant to look this up. I wanted to, to blow you away with my my uh, stat knowing power here, but I don't know how many NFL teams Mike Tomlin has not yet beaten in his career. But I know that Chicago is one of them. There can't be many more than Chicago. Right. So. Um, it, it's you. You hope that they can bring the same type of effort that uh, that they've put out the last few weeks, um, and, and you know, put together a, a nice little run for themselves. Uh, we'll see, though. You know, I, I'm not willing to, to just write off any opponent for this team uh, this point of the year, where they are. Uh, they're they're going to have to get better in you know, in practice and in the film room um, each day leading into a game. They, they're not good enough to write anybody off yet.
0: Well, we never write you off for good reason. You're brilliant. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you very much.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys.